May the 4th be with you, and welcome to another edition of Social Night, the Star Wars edition of Social Night, if you didn't get that from the intro. Eric Bach, Trent Bailey, Ian Gilmore, Aiden Hunt here, the resident Star Wars experts. We have, we've combed through the ranks of the Impact Sports team and have only selected the, the most elite only the most elite members as far as star wars knowledge goes so so gentlemen how's everybody doing it's a it's a gorgeous day today i i I hope that everyone's quarantine's going all right hunt are you back in illinois no i'm still in east lansing oh you are okay yes the three of us are in east lansing then so ian you're you're back in lake orion right and but come back to east lansing next week nice moving into a house oh you're moving in yeah, two doors down from Dandrin. Oh God, <laughs> that's a, that's another that's a story for another time. So, so what we're doing today is in honor of May the Fourth, which is National Star Wars Day. We're going through the nine Star Wars saga movies, ranking them, debating where they should be on the list, going through all the other Star Wars content. So, I guess we're just gonna dive right in. I'll go first and. My disclaimer here is that I have watched all nine saga movies within the last two weeks. So this is this stuff is fresh in my mind. So I just need I just had to put that one out there. Okay. So um, my number one, I th- or should I go backwards? I'll go backwards. Is that yeah? Backwards. Is better. Yeah. You backwards. Let, it, backwards let it build is a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let the drama build. Okay. Okay. All right. My ninth best Star Wars saga movie is Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. I've watched, as I said, all of them, and it just doesn't do it for me. There's so many, especially when you put it with The Force Awakens and all the things that are set up in The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi just, it doesn't satisfy me in a way that it should have. You know, there's so many moments in that where you're just hoping for a character to do something or hoping for a storyline to play out. It just doesn't happen. Finn's character is terribly mis- misused in that movie. He's set up to be this heroic guy in The Force Awakens, and he doesn't, he's basically on a wild goose chase that has no meaning towards the plot in the end. And I don't know, Luke Skywalker is not himself. As, so, as Mark Hamill has said multiple times, how he disagrees with how Luke Skywalker was used in The Last Jedi. But anyway, number eight. Phantom Menace, a solid flick, honestly. Like, there are moments in it that just make you cringe. Um, pod racing is eh for me. Darth Maul is what makes this movie not in last. Um, and I really like Qui-Gon Jinn, too. He's so wise. And so if they would have just listened to him, or if he would have lived through the Phantom Menace, maybe Anakin doesn't have any dark um number seven is the most recent one the rise of skywalker um i really liked how they used palpatine in the rise of skywalker i'm just not sure i believe the story of how he got there um him in the movie himself was actually good um i mean it was it was a good it was a satisfying ending for me um ray kind of setting out on her own to rebuild the jedi order and all that um, ben, or ben Solo slash Kylo Ren's arc was good for me. Um, Ray was a little bit overpowered, I think, in the movie. Um, you know, for the lack of training that she got from Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, 
I'm not sure she would have progressed that much with her force abilities. Um, another thing I'm not clear about is the time gap between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. I'm not exactly sure what how much time has passed between the end of The Last Jedi and, and the end. So does anybody know that? Does anybody know the time? No, okay. I don't. So, sorry, we're all fake. We shouldn't yeah, be on this podcast. Right, okay. Uh, number six is um, Attack of the Clones. Another solid, there's a lot of good moments in that, like the Jedi battle at Geonosis. Uh, the whole droid factory is is entertaining for me. I just, I don't really like the politics, and I think Anakin's character is a little bit too whiny in it for my, ta- for my taste. Um, anyway, so number five is Force Awakens. I know that everyone says it's a reincarnation of A New Hope, whatever. I really like A New Hope, and I really like Force Awakens. It was a perfect way to set up a new trilogy and a new generation of characters. We have Poe's arc that doesn't really get panned out in The Last Jedi. We have Finn's arc that maybe he's going down the path of Force sensitivity, and we don't ever see that pan out. Um, And Han Solo's great in it. Obviously, he meets his end in there, but I think that was kind of necessary for the story. So Force Awakens, really solid flick. In my opinion, the best of the sequel trilogy. Uh, Number four is A New Hope. Now, this might be a little lower on my list than it is on your list but i mean it's the og it's there's lots of classic moments but um i don't know i just i it's not so much a slight to a new hope as it is how much i just really enjoy the three ahead of it um number three is revenge of the sith um there's just i think the lightsaber duels in that do it for me um yoda and palpatine is i feel like yoda versus the emperor is like a forgotten duel in the Star Wars lore. And it's really good. I mean, if you got maybe the two most powerful force users on each side of the force battling each other, and they kind of come to a stalemate. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite character in Star Wars, and this is like his movie to shine. Um, I mean, he defeats General Grievous, he defeats Anakin at the end, and he's just, he's the wisest one and the funniest one, too. That's why he's my favorite. Um, number two is Return of the Jedi. Um, obviously, Luke has um, kind of completed his training and come full circle as a Jedi Knight. It was really cool to see Luke Skywalker in his, in his full glory, turning his father back. Um, I don't really know what else really needs to be said about Return of the Jedi. Every character kind of has their good arc that resolves itself in a really good way. And number one, the be- I think kind of the consensus best Star Wars movie is Empire Strikes Back. I mean, there's every there's not a weak part of that movie. Every every other movie in this saga has its weak moments, and Empire doesn't have a weak moment. I mean, the be- you open up with the Battle of Hoth, Luke goes and trains with Yoda, and Obi Wan shows up in Force Ghost form, um, and yeah, it's just. The, the the battle between Luke and Vader and I am your father is maybe the most famous moment in cinema history. I mean, there's just so many great things about Empire that, that I love. So, I don't know. So, fellas, what do we think of the list? Where did I go wrong? Where did I go right? I'll start off. Uh, I think we, me and you have a lot of similarities up top, Bach, but in the bottom um, – is where I think we differ, just me and you. Um, I, I understand 
you know, having The Last Jedi at the bottom. I, I, I won't get into my list yet, but I think The Last Jedi slander is – I don't enjoy it because I think there's, there's great moments in that one as well. Uh, yeah, but there, I, is, I there are good moments. Yeah. I do understand, the, you know, you not appreciating, you know, the arcs, not um, – you know, they, they, they don't go after Finn's Force sensitivity arc, that sort of thing. And I will say this about The Last Jedi. I, my opinion of it has been, has diminished with more viewings. I used to like it more than I do now. Okay. Like, this, the most recent viewing of it was, I was like, God, I, I didn't really enjoy that movie. So that's, I, that's exactly how I feel, too. And, like, when, when we all get to it, we'll talk about it. But I just, the first time I saw The Last Jedi, I loved it. Like initially walking out of the theater, I loved it. And then I think once I saw Rise of Skywalker and seeing how different things were and one and one and three as opposed to two in that trilogy, it's it's like I don't really have much interest to go back and watch The Last Jedi anymore. I don't know. That's just me. Buck, you and I have very, very, very similar lists in that there are a few that are like flip flops, but the general area of every single movie is like the exact same for us. So I don't really have a ton of qualms with your list, honestly. Good. Gilmore, keep going. You had you had more differences. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't want to give anything away just yet, but yeah, I, I I understand where you're coming from. How they don't explore things that were set up in seven, in eight, uh, and you know, I I agree with a lot of the things you said about nine as well, good and bad. Um, yeah, I, I can't get into this very much without revealing yeah. mine. So so well, why I don't guess, we just have Gilmore go for it? Yeah, no. just okay. just let me make my last point here about the the third trilogy if you're making a trilogy if you know that you're making a trilogy and you're making the middle movie in the trilogy that you have to bridge the gap between movie one and movie three and there's no there's no narrative continuity in the third trilogy because of the last jedi going off on its own path now and some have complimented ryan johnson for for bringing his own, I don't know, take, bringing his own original view to these characters. But I think when you're the way that Star Wars is, every, Star Wars is set up in trilogies. You know, you have to know that when you're making the middle movie, that's why Empire was so good because it perfectly bridged the gap between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. Uh, and, I think one of the things where they went wrong there is is changing who's directing. <laughs> True. And yeah. the people that are in charge of it. I don't think you can change. I think that's where it went wrong is they changed the people who were in charge and that just changes the story. And I don't think you can do that. That's why four, five, and six are so good. Canto bite. I will. That's the worst sequence in Star Wars history from a narrative standpoint. Like, yeah, it's visually appealing and everything, but it's just the character of Rose is pointless. The, the whole goose chase that they go on is completely stupid it's just it doesn't and they come back with this guy that they happen to run into in canto bite prison because they have a parking ticket and this guy ends up being able to crack the first order shields and then he ends up betraying them like that's just i don't know I'm sorry, Ian. Go go no, on with good, your you list good. because my I could go on about my beefs with the Last Jedi for an hour. But we don't. Nobody wants that. All right. Uh, so starting with nine, um, I've got Attack of the Clones at the bottom. And the thing with this is, it's so hard because uh, for I don't think there's a bad Star Wars movie. Like I love all of them, uh, and I grew up, you know, watching them as as they as the 
you know, especially these ones recently, the last trilogy as they came out. Uh, Attack of the Clones is at the bottom for me. I agree with you a lot, Bach. Um, Anakin is just too whiny in this. Uh, the the fight scene on Geonosis is awesome. Um, and so is the, the Yoda-Count Dooku battle. I think um, the way I've stacked this list, Star Wars is about moments for me a lot. Uh, and I think moments is um, something that this movie specifically la lacks. I think really the only one I remember is, is the uh, lightsaber battle between Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Dooku, and Yoda and Dooku. That's why it's so low for me. Um, and then 876, I, I have, I've got the, the newest trilogy, the third trilogy. Um, but the order I've got it in is a bit different. So Force Awakens is eight for me. Um, and I think it's, it's just because, like you said, it's, Eric, it's kind of a reincarnation of A New Hope. I love A New Hope, like you said. But um, I didn't like how they – I thought Finn was going to be a Jedi, right? And they don't explore that. Maybe that's the faults of, of eight and nine. Um, but that, that's kind of the reason I, I don't like um, The Force Awakens as much as the other two. Uh, it, you guys will love this. Next, I've got I, at seven. I've got Rise of Skywalker. Um, this was honestly um, when when I was sitting in the theater and watching this, it was I I hate to use the word disappointing, but just slightly disappointing. I think the fact about this is out of all nine movies, and I can't say I've watched all of the trailers for each one, but the trailer for this movie was one of the best trailers I've ever seen, and I I I honestly like the trailer better than the movie when. Uh, Luke says, you know, some people are never gone. Then you hear Palpatine's laugh. That, that like, made my hair stand up. And I didn't have a moment in the movie that did that for me. Uh, I love how Palpatine came back. Like you said, Bach, I agree with a lot of things you said. The storyline, Ray being granddaughter, uh, Palpatine's granddaughter, not sure how believable it is. Uh, but I've got that one on seven. And then, Can I ask you one question about Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Do you think it would have been better? I guess this is for everyone. Do you think it would have been better if they would not have revealed Palpatine in the trailer? If people would have no, walked no. into the movie? Because, no. no, because like the, the first appearance that he makes is so underwhelming, kind of. Like he's attached to a machine and you can't really see yeah. him. You can just hear. So I, I don't think it would have, it probably wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, it it, like it, it might not have been him. worse, but I don't think it would have been better necessarily. Okay. I don't know. I think it built up, built up the hype. Uh, whether that's a good or bad thing, you decide. Um, but I, I think that was a good choice they made, revealing him in the trailer. All right. So I think they made a lot more money that way, too, because I think more people saw it because they knew he was going to be in it than if they didn't know. True. All right, number six. So I've got Last Jedi at number six, and I know there's so much slander against this movie. There's really one reason why I have this um, at number six, and it's – my personal favorite moment of the entire Star Wars saga is um, when uh, Kylo and Luke are, are on the, I can't remember the planet's name, but the salt planet where the- Crate. Crete. Crate, that's right. Yeah. Crate. And um, suddenly they cut to Luke hovering above the rock. My jaw's on the floor. I like, if, if, if it was an opening night, I'd be up just like cheering, like going crazy. That's my favorite moment in the entire Star Wars saga. And it's really the, the biggest reason why I've got that one so high. Uh, I, but I, I do agree with you, Bach. The Canto Bite thing and Finn's Wild Goose Chase on the side takes away from this movie. Um, Leia also flying. True. I, didn't, I forgot to mention that. That Maybe was just the stupid. worst moment in Star Wars for me. Totally. It, it, also, how do we feel about it. 
How do we feel about light speed weaponization? That um, I love that. Love that I'm gonna so get, much. I'm gonna okay. get to that. Okay, tomorrow. we'll get to that. Okay. D uh, one thing else uh, I want to point out about that that I love that um, uh, when Leia is flying, the path she makes back through uh, the the dreadnought hologram on the on the ship is the exact same path that the ship takes later when they when they cut through um, the ship and oh, like a little bit of foreshadowing. I never noticed yeah. that. Um, so yeah, that one's at number six. So top five for me. Number five is Phantom Menace. Uh, I, I, I love that movie. Uh, I never knew Liam Neeson before I knew Qui-Gon Jinn. So, you know, uh, I thought Qui-Gon Jinn's character was awesome. Hate that he died. Um, and I'd say at least the top three lightsaber battle throughout the entire saga is Darth Maul against Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. I, I love it. Everything Duel about it. Duel of the Fates music, too. Duel of the too. Fates is the best song in Star Wars, I think. Um, I, I like the pod racing. I like Jar Jar Binks more than most people. Um, and I, I just love that movie overall. Uh, number four is number four, A New Hope. So I've got that there as well, Eric. Um, classic movie, can't go wrong with it. I just think that five and six are better. Uh, number three, Revenge of the Sith. You can't, I don't think you can put anything above Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, but this, this comes as close to doing it as you can get. The lightsaber battle, the best one in Star Wars. I really don't think that's a discussion. Um, even, you know, it's, it's aesthetically pleasing, maybe more than it is uh, real, you know, legit, um, but it, it's so good. The, the Palpatine-Yoda fight as well is awesome. Uh, and just the Obi-Wan as a character, I, not to repeat everything you said, Bach, but he's my, my favorite in Star Wars as well, and I think he shines through in that. Um, number two for me is Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I know it's, it, you know, it's the consensus best one. Um, it, there's, you can't say anything bad about it, so I can't really explain why I'm putting it below. I just think that Return of the Jedi is just slightly better for me. Um, I, I love the fact that Luke changes lightsaber color into green. I don't know why, but that's just a, a thing that I love. That's the first thing I think of when I think of Return of the Jedi. I think of Luke's yeah. green lightsaber. I don't know. I think the way it starts is awesome on, on Tatooine and, and uh, the whole battle there. Han coming back, Lando being undercover, uh, Chewie returning. Um, and it's just such a great movie. We, you know, we finally find out, you know, find out that Leia and Luke are, are brother and sister. It's just so good. You can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with it. So that's my number one. That's my list. What do you guys think? I will make the point that you made about Rise of Skywalker about The Last Jedi as far as the trailer goes. Because the trailer, I, my feeling is that the trailer for The Last Jedi is 10 times better than the movie. I just watched the, the trailer for The Last Jedi an hour ago before we got on. And it's like based expectations versus reality in that movie for me. Are, now that moment that you mentioned about Luke hovering above, that he's finally, it's taken him two hours and 15 <laughs> minutes of a movie to finally be Luke Skywalker, but he is for that one moment. Yeah. And um, so that's good. Um, but I, I like your list. I think Revenge of the the prequels get a bad rap, man. The prequels are good. They do. And Revenge of the Sith is so good. Like, I wish they could have done a little bit more with General Grievous, but it's so good. Yeah, it is. I it, it it's high and above um, the the other prequels. I think as good as the prequels are. I don't know if you guys guys have watched the new uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars series. But in the past couple episodes, they've kind of started uh, weaving 
uh, in like the middle of the timeline of Revenge of the Sith, and it just makes that one even better for me. I've I've loved watching that recently. My only huge glaring gripe with your list is Attack of the Clones being so low. I'll get to it later. That movie is like so underrated and trash for no reason. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But <laughs> I, I don't have it like super high. But you'll see. I just you know. But Hunt, you got anything? I think all of my hot takes are going to come out on my list. So Trent, I think you should uh, should take the reins here. All right, all right, okay, let's roll. Um, so I've been taking little notes here, kind of, not really, just, but Bach, <laughs> you and I have three in common, and Gilmore, you and I have none in common. You mess it up by not putting Empire first, otherwise we would have had one, little spoiler alert. But um, let's start at the bottom then. Number nine for me is also The Last Jedi, just because my, my, my justification for this is a little confusing, because I got to back up. When I first saw the movie, I loved it, right? Like I, and I, I will echo what Gilmore said about, I love every Star Wars movie. Like I could watch The Last Jedi 10 times yeah. in a day and not get yeah. sick of it because right. it's Star Wars, you know? Me too. But, um, you know, I, I think The Last Jedi kind of followed in Empire's footsteps in that it was the darker sequel to the, the one before it. So that worked for me because I love Empire, but it just was like weird. Like some of the character arcs were weird. And again, it wasn't until I saw Rise of Skywalker and seeing everything play out and seeing everyone's characters like in the end game before I didn't like The Last Jedi as much because it's like they they like went here and then back over and it was just kind of weird. And like you said, that has a lot to do with the creative direction and changing that and stuff like that. Captain Phasma is a character that I think was killed off like pointlessly way too. She's got like, that's talk about a great costume. Talk about, you know, marketing. She could have been crazy. But um, and, and Snoke was underwhelming. Can Force Awakens? Yeah, they did. They did, and it was it was all it was all there. Uh, they didn't well, really go for it. Tarth. Yes. So uh, <laughs> the whole thing is just kind of that's that's why I've got that movie so low. Um, eight is the Phantom Menace, and again, I don't think it's that bad. Like I really don't think it's that bad. It's just the pod racing, and the fact that Darth Maul is so underdeveloped just hurts me, but it's also like they, they've really taken the reins on Darth Maul's whole story and the Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff like that. So I give it a pass, but it's just in that movie. I think he has what one speaking line, two speaking lines, which again, that adds to the mystery. The whole, the whole movie is supposed to be you're we're learning how the Sith operate and what the Sith are. So like it, it, it works because he's just mysterious. He's just kind of lurking, but we know nothing about him. And he doesn't speak, but he has a double-edged lightsaber, which is awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just think his existence in the movie is a little confusing. But overall, as a full, you know, his whole story, it gets a lot clearer as the years go on. It's great. Um, number seven for me is The Force Awakens. I just don't it, – it's a carbon copy of A New Hope. It, but, like, with that being said, I never get tired of A New Hope. I never get tired of that story. I love that story. So it's – I'm locked in the whole time when I watch Force Awakens. I, I really like Kylo Ren as a villain. I think he, I think they set it up pretty well. Uh, yeah, he's a little bit of a spaz and stuff, but it's, you know, it's whatever. He's, he's angry. He's an angry person. He hates, he has so much hatred inside of him. Whatever. I'm a big Han Solo guy. We'll get into a lot of that later. So I love The Force Awakens and the fact that Han came back to the Falcon and Chewie's there too. Chewie's such an OG. All that stuff is great. Um, so, so like Han's death is the only reason that this is so low for me, just because I love Han Solo. 
and at the time, Christmas 2015, whenever it was, I was really upset because I was like, he deserved to die, like taking a bullet for somebody or something like that. But then once you see the the full trilogy play out, he essentially did sacrifice himself so that his son could come back to the to his mother and the good side and everything, whatever. Um, number six, Revenge of the Sith. And and I'm a I'm a much bigger fan of the originals than I am of the prequels. So I will say that. And for that reason, I think this movie is a little overrated, but I think it definitely deserves the hype because it is, you know, it's probably the most memorable for our generation because everyone just loves the, the scene between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And Grievous is my favorite villain as a kid, so I love him, but I liked him more in the TV show than the movie, but it is what it is. Um, also, as, a, as like an original trilogy diehard, I love Chewie's, like they implemented Chewbacca into that movie, which I thought was really cool because you get a little backstory on him. Uh, and then here's the top five. I have Rise of Skywalker at five. Just because I want it, I want it to be in the top five because I loved it so much leaving the theater. Um, I know it was rushed. I, I think, Bach, I was talking to you about this one time. I used the analogy of Avengers Endgame. Like, even though they split Infinity War and Endgame into two movies, it, they're still both so rushed. You're trying to fit so much, and it's the culmination of all these movies, and you got to wrap it up. So you're never going to satisfy everybody, right? Uh, did they do the best they could? I don't really know, but they, they did the best they could for me personally. I, I enjoyed it. I loved the Harrison Ford cameo. Um, and, and Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo cemented himself as the best character, the best character arc maybe in the whole series. So that's awesome. Um, Chewie didn't die. Lando came back. They got some things right. I give him credit. Uh, number four, Return of the Jedi. I think it's the weakest of the original trilogy, which might be a hot take, but I think I think it gets a little too kid friendly. There's like weird stuff in there with Chewbacca swinging from the vines and doing Tarzan stuff. But it's like, you know, whatever. Ewoks are also such a ploy for kids, but whatever. I love them. Um, Jabba's palace is a great scene. Gilmore, you touched on it, so I won't do it. Also, Leia, not bad looking. How are you? Um, Vader throwing Darth Sidious over the edge is the culmination of it all. Once you see all the prequels and you see the series. Uh, the TV series, you know, that it just adds to that moment. It's awesome. And uh, what are we on now? Three, Attack of the Clones, number three for me. And and I have a long explanation for this. I won't, I won't do the full thing because I'm sure we'll embrace debate in a little bit. I just think it's criminally underrated because, yes, the acting's pretty poor sometimes and the CGI is really in your face because they figured out how to do a lot of that stuff and it's just weird. But once you get past that, I think – Let's, let's just tell how it is. This movie had the task of making up for The Phantom Menace because The Phantom Menace, like, like all of us have said so far, Hunt, I'm not sure if you disagree, but that's the weakest one of the first three. So you have to, you have to follow that up. Now, it's a double-edged sword. Like, is that a hard act to follow? Not really, but you still have to make up for what you're doing. You got to carry on with the story. So I think recasting Anakin was a must, obviously, because of the timeline. It's set 10 years after. But I, I think Hayden Christensen actually fits the part because, yes, he's whiny. And I literally have the word whiny in my notes, and you guys use those same words. So, like, I, I understand. Everyone would agree he's whiny. He's annoying. But he's supposed to be. You know, he's, like, the chosen one. He's not, the cho not one of the chosen 500. He is the chosen one. He is tasked with bringing balance to the Force. And you don't even know who the Sith are at that point, really. So that's just a really I, – I, I give him a pass. I, I'm big, like you said, Gilmore, I'm big on moments. 
And there are, there are a few moments in Attack of the Clones that stick with me. I love the droid factory. It's really, like, just cool. It's really intense, even though you know they're not going to die. But it is what it is. I love the monster fight before the big arena battle. Um, and and the, the whole side story with Obi-Wan and Jango Fett, I think, is fantastic. I think it's great. I like the battle on Kamino. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, number two, I have a new hope because this is where it all started. It has to be up here for me. This is the first one I saw. You know, I'm not what, – what order did you guys watch them in? My dad showed them to me in release order, so I saw so them. So did I. So did mine. Yeah. Same. Okay, so, that, so for me, this is where it all started, and it will stick with me forever. Obviously, there's that iconic first shot of the Star Destroyer going over the – you know, over your, over your head, which is awesome. Um, but I think when Luke, Han, and company get to the Death Star, that second half of that movie is maybe my favorite half of a movie ever because it's just it's so good you go from rescuing the princess and the whole detention center thing which is awesome and then the garbage shoot and then obi-wan sacrificing himself and then blowing up the death star it's all great for me uh, i'm always impressed too with how well thought out star wars was from the start you know like we have princess leia mentioning the clone wars in the year of 1977 which is pretty crazy considering the fact that nothing with the Clone Wars was done cinematically until 2003, whatever. Um, hindsight's 2020, and it's easy to say now given the immense success Star Wars has, has gained, but I think if A New Hope is a, even a little different, I don't think it gets as big as it was. So I, I think A New Hope kind of laid the groundwork, and number one for me is Empire. I won't rail on it. Uh, I know it's not a hot take to have it number one, but it's my favorite because Han Solo is my favorite fictional character ever and this is like his movie i understand luke's getting trained and stuff and it's that's the more important stuff but han is like the man in this movie i don't know i i just it, it, the one-liners are some of the most badass one-liners in hollywood history he's just it's also the first appearance this movie's the first appearance for several iconic characters that you can't have star wars without like yoda lando boba fett uh, the Emperor, too. That's when you get your first look at the Emperor. So it's all, it's all cool. Um, I think the combination of Luke learning how to use the Force, the romance of Han and Leia, the introduction of Lando, Cloud City, all that stuff, it's just so cool. That's what makes this movie great. Uh, and then, ironically, my favorite scene from this movie was the part after Han gets captured. So there's no Han, but they're leaving. They're trying to get out of Cloud City as Luke fights Darth Vader. I think that's so awesome. Like, the whole... The, the cut back and forth. I could watch it a million times. So that's my list. What do you guys think? The fact that you have Attack of the Clones ahead of Revenge of the Sith just doesn't make any sense. Because the way... Revenge of the Sith is just a better version of Attack of the Clones, basically. Everyone... Anakin has grown up in Revenge of the Sith. The Clone Wars have turned him from that whiny little Padawan that we see in Attack of the Clones into a full-fledged Jedi Knight. And, I mean, I've watched the Clone Wars animated series. I know that you have too, Ian. I don't know about you, the, the other two of you. But, um, I don't know. I just, I like Attack of the Clones. I, that was actually, I just watched it a couple days ago. And I had forgotten how much I really did enjoy it. The, the sequence of Obi-Wan and Anakin chasing down the bounty hunter that's trying to kill uh, Padme. Uh, on Coruscant, they go into the the, the nightclub there, and um, that's Obi-Wan's, when Obi-Wan says to uh, the guy, you want to go home and rethink your life, <laughs> that was that was really good, but 
I just that's my biggest beef that you have Attack of ahead of Avengers of Fifth. And it's fair. I don't know. It's fair. I agree I, it is that. a little asinine if you say it out loud and I hear you guys say it, but <laughs> I just I just enjoyed it more. I don't know. I, I don't know. I I can't judge you for your feelings. Well, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you don't do that. Phantom Menace so low just because I had it higher just it hurts a little bit. I just I again I think it's the the second best out of the uh, the prequel trilogy, but yeah, I like I like your list. Yeah, putting Day of the Clones so high is pretty bold. I respect the move though. I really do. <laughs> gotta say. Yeah, you gotta stand out a little bit, right? Because I mean, if everyone's gonna have Empire in the top two, and everyone's gonna have you know Return of the Jedi so high. Got to, got to find a way to stick out. I liked the point that you made about Return of the Jedi, Trent, about it being a little bit too kid-friendly at times. Like, I don't know how realistic it really is that the Ewoks would be able to hold off that army as long as they do. But, again, But you love works. it when it's happening. You yeah, just of course. Guerrilla warfare. It worked. When yeah, the two logs really swing from the tree and yeah, smash the ATS yeah, that, Walker, that's They awesome. trip over the the rolling logs. Yeah. The one, the it's yeah. unbelievable what the Ewoks <laughs> are able to pull off on Endor. Also, Endor is maybe the coolest planet in the original trilogy. Is that a hot take? That or Bestman? I think Bestman is too. Could be a coolest but, planet in the entire thing. Honestly. Yeah, it's like a huge forest. Yeah. And I, I say that to my friends. They're like, well, we have forests here. So, like, why wouldn't you pick a planet like, you know, something cooler? And I'm like, I, I don't want to live on Hoth. I don't want to live no. on Tatooine, you know, so your, your choices are kind of limited. I, well, the last thing before we get to Hunt, I like what you said about Rise of Skywalker, how you liked, how, why you liked it. Just, I just sat through it, I've seen it now three times. I just watched it last week, and I want to, I want to love it. It's, just, it's going too fast for me. Like, it, it is so clearly trying to make up for the narrative shortcomings of The Last Jedi that it doesn't have time to actually, like, really, truly shine for me narratively. Like, Poe and Rey, it's so crazy how two of the main characters of the sequel trilogy have their first real on-camera interaction in the first ten minutes of the third movie of the trilogy. Like, I get that they were how they were separate in the first movie. The second movie, they should not have been separate, and then we have to wait for the third movie. But anyway, Hunt, go, go ahead and go ahead and go with your list. All right. So my list starts similar to Trenton, Eric, but not not uh not the exact same. So at number ten, yes, number ten. You heard me. I'll get to that. I had the Last Jedi. Last Jedi was as close to a felony as you can commit as a filmmaker. Now, that might be a hot take. I think Ryan Johnson potentially derailed the entire Star Wars like saga and brand with The Last Jedi with, one, all the plot holes. I don't need to name them because there's so many. And all of just the mad, like weird physics. So, for example, let's start with one that I don't think a lot of people focus on. And that's the very first scene when they drop the bombs on the dreadnought. Do they not? Do they forget that there is no gravity in space, and yet these bombs fall straight down onto the dreadnought? And it's not like one makes it. It's like 97 bombs somehow <laughs> defy gravity, and they're not shot down like you would out of another, you know, out of an X-wing or something like that. No, they just fall. So 
that is, first of all, something that bothers me enough that it, it, I think it sucks. Number two, the, I loved the hyperspeed scene where they crash into the dreadnought. I thought it was great the first time. And I thought about it and I was like, <laughs> if that's the case, why hasn't that happened in every single movie? Not like on purpose, on accident. How have they, like, every time they get out of the Piper space, how has the Millennium Falcon not completely murked another ship as it came into wherever they were going? Well, the like, nav computers have to make their calculations for light speed, though. Yeah, but at the same time, like, when, it, like, when they exit light speed, if, like, at some point, they just have to, like, crash into a ship every now and then. We never hear about it in the original trilogy. And I, also, the tracking of light speed is not a thing for a very good reason. And all of a sudden for plot reasons that Ryan Johnson has to make up in the eighth movie, it just, it, it exists now. <laughs> now I understand that they needed a very depleted rebel or resistance alliance, whatever, coming out of eight. That movie just sucked. Oh my gosh. That was, that was criminal how bad it was, I think. So that's number 10. Number nine is getting stabbed by a lightsaber because I'd rather do that than watch The Last Jedi again. <laughs> number eight. <laughs> number eight is The Rise of Skywalker, I think. So, Trent, you made a very good point when you said that the culmination of the original trilogy is when Darth Vader throws Emperor Palpatine over the ledge of the Death Star, correct? Yeah. So, are they in the Death Yeah, in the Death Star. So, anyway, or it, yeah, Death Star. Anyway. Um, that is the culmination of the original trilogy. It is the biggest moment in the entire Star Wars saga up until that point. Bringing Palpatine back for the Rise of Skywalker completely castrates that entire scene. Just makes it completely irrelevant because that means Anakin failed in restoring, you know, balance to the Force because he did not kill Palpatine. And maybe it was for a short period of time, but that kind of just... I think kind of ruins Anakin's whole, you know, redemption arc in that moment. So I hated the Rise of Skywalker just for that reason. Also, the kiss was so weird. It was so weird. Um, yeah, I just, gosh. And Ray being OP also is not helpful. I think everybody's kind of OP, overpowered in the sequel trilogy. The fact, as soon as I saw uh, Kylo Ren stop a laser in midair in Force Awakens, I was completely thrown for whatever a Jedi was able to do um, up until that point. All my knowledge kind of just went down the drain. So those two really just didn't sit well with me. Um, and so number number seven, I have the Phantom Menace. I think the, the the plot is not great, but it does an okay job of setting up for the, for the prequel trilogy. I think the prequel trilogy does a really good job of creating the entire Star Wars universe heading into what has to be the fall of the Republic into the, the empire. Um, it's just, it is very childish. I think for the same reasons, uh, maybe y'all don't like Return of the Jedi for being childish. I kind of see the same things in, in the Phantom Menace with pod racing with a young infant, basically Anakin or adolescent is probably a better word, but he is kind of, he actually an infant. Um, and then also Jar Jar Binks is, the most bizarre character I've ever seen. Um, but I love Darth Maul. He's so, like, you leave Phantom Menace like, wanting more. I think that's what Rebels and what the Clone Wars really does a great job with, is giving you more Maul. Um, 
and that I mean the the lightsaber battle between him and Qui Gon and Obi Wan is just so good. It's so good. So that's number that's number seven for me. Number six, I have Attack of the Clones. Probably for the same reasons y'all do. I I really like the Battle of Geonosis and the entire sequences that take place there with um, like the Droid Factory and the the battle between Dooku and Anakin and Obi Wan and then Dooku and Yoda. So I really like uh, Attack of the Clones. It's just another like uh, I don't I like the other ones a little better. Number six. Number six. I have no. This is five. This is five. Well, I mean, you we had ten on your list. Your list yeah, you yeah. Well, okay. I can do this. Number five. <coughs> I I have uh, um, Force Awakens. I so I know everybody said that it's just a carbon copy of of New Hope. It's just fan service. The problem is with me, it worked. It was fan service, but, but it was effective. Like I, I really liked the almost mirrored trios that you have going from the original trilogy to the sequel trilogy. Um, and I like that Finn's character, I thought was set up very well. And then Last Jedi, you know, with Cantabite just completely said no to that. Um, also, wait, Poe Dameron, I was so excited for him as a character. And then Last Jedi made him into a fool for no reason because they just refused to tell him their entire plan in in last jedi they're just yeah, like yeah we're just, just tell them the plan like, no, we're, gonna keep, we're gonna keep him in the dark just because so dumb anyway so i, I was really excited for poe i thought he's gonna be a great character a little bit i know that's not gonna happen um i think force Wiggins was good i think han solo was great in that movie harrison ford is you know he's harrison ford he's gonna be good unbelievable Unbelievable. He's, he's so good. Um, I had forgotten how good he was in it until I just rewatched it. Yeah, and I like, just wow, it was good. I just watched all of the Indiana Jones movies too, so I've seen a lot of Harrison Ford recently. <laughs> and the dude is, first of all, he's a rocket, great-looking guy. Yes. Second of all, Smoke he fits the character so well. Um, number four, I have um, Return. Not Return. I have um, Revenge of the Sith at four. So I, I really love what y'all said about how it's an Obi-Wan movie. As much as I love Harrison Ford, like I really do love him and he makes Han Solo such a great character. That being said, casting Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, a young Obi-Wan is the perfect choice. Ewan McGregor is the like far and away best part of the uh, prequel trilogy. Oh, no doubt. He's so, he's so good and I am so excited for the, the Obi-Wan miniseries. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I'm, I'm more excited watch. for that than I was for The Last Jedi. I'm so excited for it. I and Revenge of the Sith like has so many great plot points and is so and like it does a good job of being like, okay, we're gonna move from these two kind of lackluster films, but we need to connect them into the original trilogy. It does a good job of it. It I think it really does. Number three, I have a new hope. So it's it's a great movie. I would I think it's kind of I you can't have this movie outside of your top three, I don't think because of what it does to set up the rest of the entire Star Wars universe. Without A New Hope, you don't have Star Wars. Number five, or number two, I have number five, Empire Strikes Back. It's close to a perfect film. The whole reveal of Darth Vader is Luke's father was, you know, everybody knows it in pop culture. Like it is, it's so significant in, in, in film. But I think when it came out, I wish I had been there like in the theater to just... Oh feel the gasp of the entire audience and probably the entire world like and, that was back uh, before internet leaks too so people yeah. walked in there with no clue i just yeah. wish that i i wish that i could have 
had that opportunity. And I love well, the name. And on a lower scale, too, real quick, just finding out Luke and Leia were siblings, too, in the next movie. Yeah. Like, that was probably crazy, too. True. Yeah. And the narrative about how the entire cast and crew, they didn't know either. Only, like, James Earl Jones and a couple of people, because James Earl Jones was not Darth Vader. He was just the voice of him. Only right. a couple people knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Everybody thought that Obi-Wan killed Anakin before then like that's what what was said in by the actor who when they were acting out that scene it was afterwards when James Earl Jones then recorded the line so even people who worked on the film didn't know that reveal until they watched the movie and that's crazy too they told George Lucas told Mark Hamill there's a great moment on Jimmy Kimmel live Mark Hamill telling a story about how Harrison Ford turned to him at the premiere of Empire Strikes Back and said hey you didn't tell me that (laughs) <laughs> like the most, the most like Harrison Ford moment ever. But yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah. And the number one, I have Return of the Jedi. I know it's kind of, I mean, the Ewoks are childish, yes. But the guerrilla warfare tactics are so effective in that the Empire has no idea how to deal with them. It's the and biggest get, landslide battle in the whole film. Like they they, to, or in, in the whole series. They just get absolutely dusted by a bunch of overgrown teddy bears. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. And then the culmination of, you know, Darth Vader restoring force, restoring balance of the force, or so we thought, until the sequel told you was like, screw that, we're going to just make money instead, instead of make sense. Um, I just love Return of the Jedi, Jabba's Palace. Jabba's Palace feels like it takes like 50 minutes. That's such a long scene. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's, so, it's I think it's it really almost like it's happened twice, because um, first, you know, C-3PO and R- R2 go in, yeah. And then, like, you know, 15 minutes later, then Luke does the same thing. And it's, yeah. I have two things for you, Hunt. Well, one's a comment and one's a question. The first is a comment about Revenge of the Sith. It is, a, you, you hit it perfectly. It's amazing how much work that movie had to do to get us narratively to the original trilogy. Like, where we're left in Attack of the Clones is basically the Clone Wars are starting, but we don't really know how it's going to play out. Anakin and Padme are secretly married. That's where we, that's like the, re, the resolution of Attack of the Clones. And Revenge of the Sith accomplishes one man basically taking over an entire republic, turning it into a dictatorship empire, and it makes complete sense. Like, there's no, there's no like fantasy the way that the sequel trilogy has these like convenient plot points put together, the way that Palpatine dismantles the Jedi and the Republic in Revenge of the Sith makes complete narrative sense. I have no questions. Like I know exactly how he did it and exactly how he tricked everybody. It's like one of it, the, it's great writing. One of the most underrated scenes and maybe one of the best lines in all of Star Wars is okay. First of all, Natalie Portman is incredible. I love oh, Natalie yeah. Portman, and she's great in in Star Wars in the prequel trilogy. But the line where Palpatine, like the politics suck in yep. Star Wars, but the scene where they go from a republic into a an empire, where Natalie Portman just says, "So this is how democracy ends with thunderous applause." It's like, oh my god, liberty dies. Is the oh, liberty line. liberty? Yeah. That's how it is. So good. So good. Well, the other thing how Bach was saying, the thing we said about um, Rise of Skywalker is how rushed it was. The, the amount of, like you said, Bach, the amount of work that um, Revenge of the Sith had to do, but still didn't feel rushed. You still felt like, you know, you were taking your time with each scene, yet they did so much. It was so impressive with that. Think I think of, the biggest thing 
uh, why that was so successful is the way they started. You know, we left off with the Clone Wars that started. The first thing we see in Revenge of the Sith is this giant battle over Coruscant, which is like literally the, the epicenter of the entire thing. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, by the end of Revenge of the Sith, you have forgotten that Anakin killed Count Dooku in the beginning. Like, do it. Like, it seems like a completely different world because each character progresses so much during Revenge of the Sith. And so my question to you, Hunt, that was my comment. My question to you is, instead of bringing back Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker, what would you have liked to have seen them do? Because the fact Ryan Johnson killing Snoke in The Last Jedi, well, that is arguably the best scene of The Last Jedi with the throne room fight with Rey and Kylo, he kind of screws J.J. Abrams into his big bat. Like, would you, have, would you have liked to have seen Snoke survive The Last Jedi and still remain the big bat of The Rise of Skywalker so we didn't need Palpatine? So th- you answered my question. Like, what I preferred, I would prefer, instead of Palpatine, Snoke, to stay alive. If you had taken that entire scene, I think, and just put it at the beginning of the rise of skywalker so it starts and you're just like oh my gosh wait snoke's dead what's gonna happen the rest of the movie and then you're like oh kylo ren is the central villain of this film and then try to work with that i think that would have been a little better i think that having having kylo ren kill snoke at the end of last jedi which was a bold move because jj abrams like made him into such a you know prominent future character i think in the force awakens I think after that, you're kind of just like, well, you know, Kylo Ren is the only villain now, and like he's going to be the one that they have to focus on in, in The Last Jedi, or in uh, Rise of Skywalker. I would have at least preferred that, maybe, just to, you know, not have another overlord character that you have to, um, you know, incorporate. And I know that I, I, don't, I really have a hard time thinking that at the beginning of the sequel trilogy, J.J. Abrams, in his mind, was like, we're going to make Rey a Palpatine. I really There's don't. No way. There's I absolutely don't no way. And I think, I think he's had, go ahead. He's had to do da- he just had to do damage control from what Ryan Johnson did in The Last Jedi. And if they would have had the plan, like, if they storyboarded this out before they even made Force Awakens, then if you are going to bring back Palpatine, and the way you can argue that the way that they brought him back didn't make sense, but I really enjoyed Palpatine's character in The Rise of Skywalker, forgetting how he got there. Like, he was his old intimidating self, pulling the strings like the puppet master behind the scenes. That's what Palpatine is, and I think that they were true to that in The Rise of Skywalker. But if you're going to bring him back, and that was your plan all along, to kill Snoke and have Snoke be a puppet of Palpatine, you have to show that Palpatine is alive at the end of eight. You can't just be like, oh, instead of having the kid force the broom to himself at the end of eight, you need to show Exegol and Palpatine Blair and be like him saying, I'll do it myself or something of that nature. So everyone knows, oh, shit, Palpatine's coming back. I'm glad you brought up the point, the, the, the scene where the kid force yeah. pulls the broom. That's the best scene in Last Jedi. <laughs> That's the best scene. It's like two seconds long. You're like, oh, that was cool. I mean, that's it. As, as much as I like Last Jedi more than most, that's my biggest gripe is the, uh, the many things we never find out. I understand, you know, Snoke was like this puppet of Palpatine, but this is like, 
after I watched seven, I watched hours upon hours of, you know, theory videos of who oh, me too. and what the scar meant on his face. And, you know, they played the same music uh, when he was on screen that they did during the opera scene in Revenge of the Sith. And, and then we just never find out, well, at least in eight, we never find out who he is and we just kind of kill him off for no reason. Also, the kid with the broom, wish that would have gone somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, well, you want to find out who that kid is. But also, huh? did anyone think Snoke was Mace Windu? No, I can't tell okay. you. I, I, saw, I saw a crazy theory about that, and I bought it, dude. Because the lightning pales your skin, and he got thrown off a building, so I thought maybe. Plus, he always had the purple lightsaber, which obviously we know is because of Samuel L. Jackson just was like, give me a purple lightsaber. But at the time, it's like, you can talk yourself into it. Like, red and blue makes purple. He's like walking both sides of the, you know, I don't know. I kind of bought I, it, but it I saw been, Go ahead, Tom. I saw that same theory, and I watched the video, and I was just like, no. <laughs> okay. Well, then you and I are cut from a different cloth, Hunt, because I was all in going into number eight. I was like, we're going to find out that Snow is Mace Windu. And then, no, he just got cut, like, in a really weird way. Like, his arm was still sitting on the chair, which was really unsettling. But, yeah, that scene is great, by the way. There's a shot, and, you know, Gilmore is a – as a photographer, you'll probably enjoy uh, and enjoy this, appreciate this. But the, the shot of Ray and Kylo standing back to back with the sparks flying, they're two different colored lightsabers. It's very aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the, beautiful. You're seeing the cut of that scene, but they instead of having the actual music from the movie, they put Mr. Blue Sky in. It's reminiscent of the opening scene from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Just watch it. Also, okay. Okay. there's another there's another one. It's like the exact same thing, but it's of Order 66, and they have pumped up kicks playing. Oh, my God. Watch both of them. I feel like I've seen that one. I feel like I've seen that one on Twitter before. I'm not sure, though. That What you said about The Last Jedi being aesthetically pleasing trend is so true. The whole... Like, it has the theme of, like, the color red yeah, throughout it. it. That's, yeah. that's good. That's real good. Like, the, the, the red salt on crate getting brought up when the, the ski things are dragging along. Snoke's throne room being red. But I, that's, to me, probably, other than Finn's terrible mistreatment in The Last Jedi, to me, that's the sequel trilogy's biggest failure, is its inability to really... I mean, Kylo Ren's a great character, and you said it, Trent, that it's probably the best arc of that trilogy. But is their failure to really establish another villain? Like, Snoke had so much potential after The Force Awakens to be this mysterious dark side user from the unknown regions and whatever. And, I mean, it could have been some reincarnated version of Darth Plagueis. It could have been, like, some Sith, some ancient Sith, something or other. But we never get to find out because Ryan Johnson kills him and J.J. Abrams has no other option but to bring back Palpatine in some weird clone form. One of my, well, go for it. One of, well, I was going to go somewhere else. So you, you go real quick, Trent. Well, all I was going to say, last, my last point on the, um, the Rise of Skywalker is, first of all, that whole sequence of Kylo Ren finding the Sith Wayfinder, that could be a really good, like, comic or something i don't read comics but they could exploit that story more because they said there was a deleted scene of him 
like in the original script when he's on that pla- whatever planet it is we don't even know it's, it's mustafar it's mustafar okay so he's on mustafar and in the original plan was him not just finding the wayfinder but him having to go through this like ancient sith creature like some trial of this creature to like earn the wayfinder and i can see why they cut it for time but that would have been a really good narrative way instead of him just killing these faceless creatures that we don't care about and then finding the wayfinder i mean it was cut for time purposes but that would have been better i i think well, one one of the gripes I've got about Rise of Skywalker, I think it's um, almost as bad as um, the, the way Finn was treated in the Last Jedi was Hux, out of nowhere. Yeah. Being being the spy. I'm the spy. <laughs> it's like, oh okay. I I loved it like though. That, I don't understand I like, it. It's I don't think it's believable. No. I don't know. Why is General Pride not around in the first two movies too? Like, where is he? Like, he, he turns into, like, the leader of the First Order. Yeah. Like, the First Order's army. And he's somehow Palpatine's old servant. Like, when he's on the on the hologram with Palpatine, his eyes are all glossed over. Does that mean that he's, like, reincarnated from the Empire with Palpatine? Does that mean that he's has just lived through this whole time between Return of the Jedi and the sequel trilogy? I don't I, – I need more answers about him, too. And that's another shortcoming of the Rise of Skywalker is they introduce this guy and they don't give him his due diligence. We do see, though, at the very end of Rise of Skywalker, a yellow lightsaber. True. Big fan of yellow lightsaber. Yeah, she's it's kind cool. of like this. I don't know. She's not. Is she a Jedi? Is she just a powerful force user that's going to do you do good in the galaxy? I don't know. It's mysterious. I have an idea. We've all kind of spoken our piece on every movie and, you know, just kind of talked about gripes with each other's lists, whatnot. Should we go through and just give like a high and a low from each movie, like your favorite moment or your least favorite moment or something? How are we doing on time? I know I'm not supposed to ask that while we're recording. Okay, we're good. We're under an hour, so we're okay. Gilmore can edit it. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead, Trent. I mean, I was thinking either that or we could just talk about, you know, give our top three lightsaber duels, but I'm sure a lot of those will be the same. Why, why, why don't we go with, like, top, top three or four moments from the saga or, like, we, and top three or four, like, you know, low points? We, have, we haven't talked about the other movies let's, and series yet, though. Let's, before we get there, though, Trent, let's do, let's do top three moments. Okay, three so moments. In, in no order, because I'm kind of on the spot here, but... Han Solo, I love you, I know. That has to be in my top three because that was unscripted and that was just so badass. And it's like, there's the whole story of Harrison Ford didn't want to be Han Solo anymore, so they wrote that into the movie in case he didn't do six. So it's like, that could be the last line you hear from Han Solo, and I think that is just chilling to think about. But um, number two, oh, this is just, I can't get my mind out of this Han Solo thing because that was like my guy, right? So I loved his his scene with Kylo Ren in, uh, in the rise of Skywalker, because that for me was when I was like, okay, I actually enjoyed this movie. Uh, because you kind of, you understood where it was going at that point. Like Kylo Ren, you, you knew at that point that he was going to turn good, which you kind of always had that hunch, but it's like, now you, now you know what's going to happen. And then he's like racing back. And then number three, 
I mean, I love the arena battle on Geonosis. I love Anakin versus Obi-Wan. I, w- I would probably say, I'd probably say it's Anakin versus Obi-Wan on, on Mustafar. But that's, you know, that everyone loves that. Is it me next? No, you can go for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is going to be really weird. This is my number three, but it is when, because I love the scene so much from Revenge of the Sith when uh, Palpatine and Anakin are at the theater and he tells them the story of Darth Plagueis. Um, In The Rise of Skywalker, when Palpatine says, I have died before. The dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. That like chilled me when he when he restated that line. Um, I, I love that. Um, my second favorite moment is when Vader throws Palpatine over the edge. Um, I mean, that's probably most people's number one, but loved it. Um, and my number one is the last. 10 minutes of Revenge of the Sith when Yoda and Palpatine are fighting and Anakin and Obi-Wan are fighting and they're cutting back and forth between those two. That is Star Wars at its very best right there. Um, and so that's number one for me. Go ahead, Hunt. So my top three. So number three, I'm going to say, even though Rise of Skywalker just takes so much away from it. I'm going to say, same as Bach, Darth Vader throwing Palpatine over the edge. This, I mean, it's iconic. It is like the culmination of the original trilogy. Number two, I don't think anybody, Gilmore, I don't think you're going to say this one, but the scene in Revenge of the Sith where it's just Obi-Wan and Yoda against all of those clone troopers mm-hmm. in the temple, and they are just, just giving them the work. Like, these two, and you know, like, these are two of the most powerful Jedi who we've come in contact with, and, like, they are just, the two of them are just taking care of these troops who, you know, killed probably hundreds of Jedi, and they were just going at them, and it was, it was just so impressive, and also just showed how much power those two men had. And then number one, I think just from, like, an emotional standpoint, also from Revenge of the Sith, but this, the speech that Obi-Wan gives Anakin after he just dismembered him, like after like the higher ground scene where he cuts off his limbs and, you know, where Obi-Wan says, like, you were the chosen one, like, you're my brother, Anakin, I love you, but I won't help you. It's just like, uh, that really just kind of hits you close, especially like, because we've all experienced close relationships with people and like the feeling of them betraying you, like, must like evoke so much, you know, pain and hurt. And you can really feel for Obi-Wan in that scene. I love Ewan McGregor so much. I was going to say, Ewan McGregor owns it, too. He owns that whole part. So good. So here's a question. In theory, if if Obi-Wan loves him so much and he sees him about to be burnt to a crisp, do you, if you th- obviously, if he had it to do over again, do you think he just goes down there and finishes him? I think he just force pushes him into lava. I, I don't think he could. Like... As much as, like, you know, Jedi are all about, you know, duty first and everything, I just don't think that – I mean, any – that in him. Any reasonable person would think that somebody burning like that is going to kill them, right? Yeah. So, I mean – But it's, like, not it, him doing it, you know? It would be hard for me if I – if I, I think if I were in Obi-Wan's shoes and this person that I was so close with for 
10 plus years that I have gone everywhere with and everything, if they were suffering like that, I don't know. It would be hard for me to not end their suffering, you know? But anyway. Me too. That would be tough. That's a good point. But something that I think is interesting is he does pick up the lightsaber because he, he has, he's not just picking that up because like, you know, it's dangerous. He picks it up because like he feels like there's a use for it. And that's kind of ends up being the biggest plot point in episode four. So that's great. True. And Anakin, whether directly or indirectly at that point is dead. He's gone. Darth Vader is. Right. Fair. Yeah. Anakin Skywalker is dead and Darth Vader is born. Yeah. True. That's a good point. Um, so I already said my favorite moment of the entire Star Wars thing is when they cut to Luke and he's hovering over the rock. It's so good. I get goosebumps when I watch it again, even though I see it coming. Um, and I think one of the really underrated cinematic things they did uh, that I never would have noticed the first time is how Luke's feet don't make the ground red when he moves. We, we, in the, the, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Caught that the second time around. Um, my, I think, second favorite of, it's not like a moment, but like, um, the whole prefacing conversation uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan have before, right before their lightsaber battle on Mustafar, because it's this whole culmination of these brothers or dad-son sort of relationship going on, and they, you know, Anakin has decided he's done with it, and Obi-Wan is, like, sort of coming to terms with the fact that, like, you know, he will do what he must, and I think that's a very crazy thing to think about, and I think both actors do that extremely well. Anakin is so hurt, too, because he thinks that Padme has brought Obi-Wan to kill him, and that's not the case. Obi-Wan, of course, snuck aboard her ship before she was going to Mustafar, and she didn't even know that he was there. And so Anakin is so angry at Padme because he thinks that she's turned to Obi-Wan's side and, and has left him behind. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, I don't really know if I've got a, a specific three. I, I, real quick, I want to give like an honorable mention is, I don't know exactly when it happens, but binary sunset when Luke is looking out over and it's the do-do-do-do. That is just, it evokes emotion. Um, I think if I had to pick a three, I'd go with um, episode four when Luke's dropping uh, the missile or bomb down the Death Star hole when he hears Obi-Wan's voice or Ben's voice, you know, use the force, Luke. They put it, he puts his thing away. They go, what is he doing? And then, you know, Han comes out of nowhere. Darth Vader's ship goes spiraling, and he drops it, and Death Star goes poof. I think that's a great moment. Okay, so now it's time to move on to the non-saga stuff. Um, just quickly, I mean, just I want to talk about um, Mandalorian, Rogue One, and Solo. Um, we've kind of touched on the animated stuff a little bit. Um, so I loved Rogue One. I thought that it was a great story about these not these people that were non-force users, that it was a great glimpse into the more regular people of the galaxy and the true oppression of the Empire and why the Rebels' cause was so important. Like, we see that in some ways in the original trilogy, but there's just not enough time because we have all these characters that we have to take care of and these other characters that we don't really know their backstory so well but we we care about them you know we care about these people that are imperial defectors or the, all the people that made the rebel the rebellion against the empire possible and i think that provides some really good context to it and the moment of vader just slaughtering the people at the end of the movie is one of the best moments in star wars 
Um, it's, I remember I was at the Rogue One with my dad and, you know, him growing up with the original trilogy and me kind of growing up with the prequels and then them making, it was just like, it was awesome. Like, you felt so bad and then it just, it goes right into A New Hope and it was, it was so good. I very much enjoyed the space battle above Scarif too is very underrated with them, the guys disabling the Star Destroyer and then ramming into the Star Destroyer to push it through the other Star Destroyer is like awesome and original and something that had never been done before. And I liked the Mandalorian. I wasn't quite on the hype train like everyone else was. Like I didn't dislike it. I was just kind of like, oh, it's a Star Wars thing and I'd like to see what happens with Baby Yoda and whatever. I just wasn't quite as gripped by it as everyone else was. I don't know if you guys feel the same way or if you liked it a lot, why you did. I just, it wasn't one of those things where I like had to like binge watch it. Like I was able to watch it in increments, you know, like I wasn't like so addicted to it that I had to just binge watch it the whole time. That's what I like about it though. Like Mandalorian is very much like a Western and like yeah. it feels like a Western. And so it's like each episode is like, it's not a periodical. Like you don't have to watch these episodes. Don't kind of like, mesh together and that's okay because i think going into the later seasons they're gonna start doing that more and more it was just i think established the character of the mandalorian and of you know baby yoda who we don't have a name for yet we've just given it a name the child child yeah. the child yes um and, I, and it's kind of like set up his team set up what who the villain's gonna be especially in that last episode i think for the, the remainder of the series maybe just for a season or so um, but I love Pedro Pascal. He is one of my favorite characters in Game of Thrones, Oberyn Martell. And I think he's just a great, great actor. You don't see his face ever, except for, you know, spoilers was very briefly in the last episode. But I think he, he's been really good in his role as Mandalorian. I agree. I, one of the, my favorite things about that is the way they kind of, the, the plot line and the way they've carried things out, I think has been, um, a, a great thing and they've kept you interested like box said maybe you're not necessarily gonna binge it they don't be on a, a cliffhanger every single episode but they they've set up these characters that you know we've seen come back um and i think the bringing in the dark saber right at the end was a huge like you know nerd moment where you're gonna get everybody watching the next season uh, i think they've done really a, a great job on kind of bringing in the casual star wars fan and having the things there for nerds like us Agree. Um, I loved The Mandalorian. Like, I loved it. Uh, me and my roommates all watched it together as it came out because I had mm -hmm. Disney Plus from the start. So it was, you know, we would just watch it every, I think it was Sundays it came out. So that was, that was awesome. I loved that show. Uh, I think the reason I did is because, like you said, Hunt, it's a Western. Like, that's what it is. You know, there's not lightsaber fights and stuff. It is gunslinging and high-speed chases and it's it's all it's all great i love it um there was maybe one episode i didn't really like so much and that was the one where he was with that rookie bounty hunter dude it was just kind of weird you're like remember they had to camp out uh, behind some dune i don't even remember anything about it but uh that aside i love rogue one as well my problem with rogue one <clears throat> excuse me is that after seeing the last 30 minutes of that movie which is crazy good. Like it's, it's, it's just running on empty the whole time. It just, it's so, it's, it's so good. And then the scene with Darth Vader and everything. Now, when I watch it, all I want to do is get to that point. So it's like, I never really watched the full movie. 
I don't think I've watched the full movie once since I did, since I saw it all together. Seriously, because I just watched the the ending because the ending is so good. And the scene with Darth Vader is horrifying. It's like probably maybe his best scene, oh, yeah. which which could be a hot take, but like I don't think he it steps is. he steps into the hangar and then. You can't see anything. You hear him breathing. And then the red lightsaber lights up the room. And he just starts going ape on these people. These poor yeah. dudes who, like, are just trying to save everybody. I don't know. It's awesome. It provides context as to why everyone is so afraid of him in the original trilogy, which yes. is perfect. Like, he, I mean, he's, he's putting guys in the ceiling and then yeah. stabbing guys through the door. It's like he's, he's unbeatable. Yeah. That transition, the way they end it, too, and go into four is so good. One thing I think – I understand what you're saying, Trent, about the beginning of it. I think that's a, lo a lot of – you know, a standalone movie, they have to introduce every single character. Yeah. And well, and the thing, too, is those characters before. die. Yeah, yeah. And you, Which is you can't really get behind no, – no, it is fine, but you can't really get behind the characters. Like, I don't, I don't have as much of a – like, they're, they're, uh, they're doing the, the Disney Plus series on – what's his name? The, the one character? Cassius Andor or something like that. The, yeah, one, of, yeah. one of the guys, they're doing Cassian it. Andor. Yeah, Cassian Andor. And I, I'm not I'm not that excited for it. I'll watch it, but I'm not – it's it's kind of like – I feel like they're forcing that. Because Rogue One was such a success, they're trying to, like, do more with those characters and stuff. But yeah. you factually can't. We'll see how that we'll see how that goes. But uh, it was so good Solo? the way it was able to stand alone, too. I, sorry to cut you off, Bach, but real quick. I For me, if I'm, like, putting that in order of the nine we rank, that's number five for me. Because yeah, it's up there. It's just about as good um, as um, as as a New Hope, which I had it for. Not not that good, <laughs> but it's it's almost there. It's such a good standalone movie, and they did so well with it. I think it is the best thing that Disney has put out since they've bought Star Wars. The best movie, I would say. That's fair. That's fair. Um, the, in total body of work movie, the 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 sequel trilogy has its moments of being really good. But the the total body of work, I think, wrote one. What about Solo? I feel like people are just kind of blah about Solo. Like I I thought that Alden Ehrenreich was actually pretty good, and Woody Harrelson's good, and really Solo, if you get down to the core of it, is the Chewbacca movie. Like Chewie is like central to the whole thing, which is great because I love Chewie. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just. The Darth Maul thing felt a little forced, like they were trying to connect it to, to Rebels and all that stuff. But I, it, it's it's kind of a Western, too, like like The Mandalorian. And it's a solid flick. I don't really have any beef with it. I just, I'm just kind of lukewarm on it. I So that's one of the other big issues I have with The Last Jedi, is how sour of a taste it left in people's mouths that they didn't go see Solo. Like, Solo was the lowest grossing movie in the box office because everybody hated The Last Jedi. So they were, like, on strike. We're like, we're not seeing this movie because, you know, 8 was so bad. I really liked Solo. I had a lot of fun watching Solo. Like, I was engaged the whole time. If you told me, like, we're going to put Woody Harrelson, Childish Gambino, and Amelia Clark in a movie, will you watch it? <laughs> ten times out of ten, I'm watching that movie. Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. Again, Chewbacca movie. Really liked that. Paul Bettany is the villain. The weird scars on his face, like that, that I don't like that. Where like they, they, they change colors when he's angry. It's like he's like a puffer fish or something. Yeah, then, that, I totally forgot about that until you just mentioned that. But yeah. It was, it was weird. I, I kind of like the Maul reveal at the very end that like, Kira's working for Maul. And that 
anybody who is a Star Wars fan who didn't watch Clone Wars or Rebels, as soon as they see that, they're probably like, wait, what? Like, this dude died, like, eight movies ago. How is he right. still and I'm sure it's going to be like provoke people to be like, wait, I guess I got to go watch this this series now because this guy's alive. I think, I mean, I really liked so. I I had a lot of fun watching it, and it's probably why why I liked it so much. I think it did its job perfectly. It's an origin story. You learn about you know how Han came to be, his you know relationship with Lando. That was my favorite part of it. Can't say I've watched this one too many times. I think I watched it in the theater and then once or twice after. It's been a little while, but I think it did you know the job it was designed to do, which was you know, teach you more about Han Solo and how he came to be. As a Han Solo enthusiast, borderline worshiper, I didn't want this movie. I love Harrison Ford as Han Solo, and I love his mysterious background. We don't know anything about him. We know he's he's kind of a jerk, to say the least. Yeah, yep, he's a scoundrel. We know he's, you know, he gambled his way to where he's at now. We know he's been working with Chewie. But then... You know, so going in, I was skeptical, and I saw it by myself. That's how skeptical I was. I was like, I am seeing this by myself. I'm not going with my friends because they will just heckle me the whole time because they know that this is important to me. But it, 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 I thought it was fine. Like, it was good. It was – there's nothing bad about it. There's one scene that I hate, and it's when Han is, like, talking to Chewie and, like, the growling. I'm like, what are you doing? That's not that, – that shouldn't be a thing. Like, the whole time – all through the – original trilogy he just talks to him and then Chewie understands what he's saying and then they they make this scene where like as if Chewie doesn't understand English Han has to like growl his way to convincing Chewie that he should I don't know it's whatever but Donald Glover is fantastic in that movie Lando's a great character only thing I didn't really like about it is they they kind of had this like snarky relationship which it makes sense because Lando is of higher status and has more and whatever. But then in episode five, when you meet Lando, it's like, they're not like that at all. They're like, you know, just like, and maybe that's because they grew up or whatever, but I don't know. It was, but it was a really good film. I liked it a lot. I liked them all thing. I, I, I didn't like Kira only because I'm a Leia loyalist. Love her. Um, but it was, you know, there was nothing wrong with Kira. I just didn't like her. I was like, you, you're not, you're not Leia. <laughs> The most, the thing that Solo succeeds on, the same thing that Rogue One succeeded on, was showing us a different part of the galaxy. Like, this is like the crime syndicate part of the Star Wars galaxy that you hear about. Like, you see, like, in for a brief moment in The Force Awakens when Han and Chewie get boarded by the those gangs, by Kanja Club and all those, you get to see that little glimpse of of that in a, in, a, in a more, you know, full narrative way. Um, you know, like, I don't even know what uh, Paul Bettany's crime syndicate is called. Uh, I don't even, I can't even think of it right now. Uh, I, his name is Dryden Voss, I believe. So I think it might just be the Voss syndicate or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it doesn't really matter, I guess. But the, I, I like how Rogue One provided a look. It's has very little to do with the force you know a rogue one provided a look at how important the rebellion was and how solo provided a look at kind of how low life the galaxy is in a lot of places with all the crime that happens and stuff so yeah so do we have any other thoughts i'm so excited for the obi-wan series like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the first one watching that um because and I read that it takes place eight years after Re- Revenge of the Sith. 
Mm. So he's still young enough to to be, you know, nice spry Obi-Wan and wiser, much wiser than he was in Revenge of the Sith. So I'm just, I'm so excited for that. It's, ama- it's amazing what facial hair will do to a person because, I mean, the time frame between Phantom Menace and um, Attack of the Clones is like 10 years, but in real life, it's like three years. Right. And yet you could, you could convince me that Ewan McGregor is 10 years older. <laughs> Definitely. And now, even now, like, the dude still looks really young. He does. And, and, and uh, Revenge of the Sith was 15 years ago. Yeah, he looks almost the same. Yeah. Just an age The fact that Revenge of the Sith was 15 years ago just blew my mind. But, yeah, right. it was. It right. was. 2005. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. I still think when I hear 2005, I think, oh, that was, like, five years ago. But it was just 15 I, yeah, of years you ago. Yeah, so clearly. Ugh. Anyway. Well, fellas... This was fun. I'm glad that we got to gather for, for a May the 4th be with you social night. Um, so I think, do we have anything else to say? I think that's, I think we kind of covered it all, right? We got the, we got all the saga movies. We got all the other stuff. So Raiden Hunt, Trent Bally, Ian Gilmore, I'm Eric Bach. May the 4th be with you and enjoy, and enjoy your Star Wars summer.